Welcome to the City Reach Daily Walk podcast with me, your host, Graham. I'm one of the pastors at a church in Adelaide, Australia called City Reach Oakton, where we are all about exploring God's beautiful word in order that we might know him more. Hey, City Reach, thanks again for joining us for season two uh, as we explore real people, real stories. And in this season, I'm going to be interviewing a whole lot of different people from young, old, uh, all different demographics and really just asking them their story, how they came to know Christ, uh, you know, what was life like before, what was life like afterwards. And I'm going to ask them the question of which biblical character do they feel they resonate with? Uh, and in today's episode, I got to spend time with Gary Sperling and someone, Gary's someone I've got to know quite well. Uh, we do kids ministry together. We serve on Alpha together and Gary's just a great guy. Uh, but I actually didn't know his story. I didn't know his his background and his childhood and, and how he came to Christ. And I just thought it's a really fascinating time and just sharing his story. Uh, what we found was we actually share a connection. I think uh, we can really resonate with each other's childhood. And Gary has this unique experience of growing up in a small country town. And, uh, you know, family wasn't perfect. His mom struggles uh, with with mental illness. And just as a kid growing up in that home and what that meant and dealing with all that. And then in the midst of all that, just God's hands on his life as he meets Jesus at the age of 10 and just the journey he's been on since then. So it really is, uh, I found it very encouraging and I'm sure you will too. I think especially for those who who maybe we've grown up with a little bit of a broken family, uh, we've struggled with, with our relationship with our moms and dads, I really hope that this will be encouraging to you. Now, Gary, actually, when I asked him the question, which biblical character do you resonate most with? Uh, without blinking, he said, Simon Peter. And so what I'm, I'm going to do, I'm just going to take a brief look at Simon Peter, because I think Simon Peter is such a complex character and there's so much to know about him. So uh, this isn't the last time we're going to touch on him, but just to give you a little bit of a background into Simon Peter, what made him tick and so when someone says, I relate to Simon Peter, uh, you'll have a better understanding exactly what that means. So Simon, he's a fisherman, he's Jewish, he's brought up with the scriptures, the Torah, he knows all this, but he's also just a hard fisherman. And he has the name Simon. Now, Simon in Hebrew uh, is the same meaning as the word read. And a reed is often blown backwards and forwards in the wind, right? Reeds are, are easily swayed. And when we first meet Simon Peter, actually be, before he has this real powerful encounter with the risen Jesus, he's actually easily swayed. You know, I always joke that Simon Peter has foot and mouth disease. Like he, he says things before thinking. He's, he's so passionate uh, and then he can be so timid the next moment uh, and he, he's full on for the Lord and then he's running away from the Lord and God still uses him. But he comes to Simon Peter 
and this is after he's he's Jesus has been raised and he says to Simon Peter I'm changing your name and from now on you're going to be called Peter and Peter in Hebrew means rock something that's steady something that's unchanging it's it's a firm place to stand and what Jesus is saying to him is, Simon Peter, you were like a reed, easily blown back and forth. You know, your emotions led you, your passions led you. But now I'm going to make you a rock. I'm going to make you someone that's stable and firm. And I'm going to build my church upon you. And that just speaks about the work of of Jesus in somebody's life that he can take someone like like Simon who was easily blown about easily uh, influenced by peer pressure uh you know very passionate but misguided to someone who is is solid right just a rock that on which you can stand someone on which you can depend and Jesus does that turns him into that now uh, Gary's going to make reference to a time when Simon Peter, this is Jesus is, is, he's been crucified on the cross and he's now the risen Jesus and he's appeared to his disciples. And there's this third time he's about to appear to his disciples. Uh, the disciples go fishing and Simon Peter's the first one to say, I'm going fishing guys. Like I've had enough of this waiting around, like I'm going fishing. And then these guys are fishing, and this is what it says. It comes from John's Gospel. I'm going to read to you from, and uh, this is from John 21. I'm going to read from verse uh, 5, and it's when Jesus is speaking to them. He says, He called out to them, Friends, have you any fish? No, they answered. Uh, and then Jesus dubs something crazy. Yeah, he tells fishermen how to fish. Now, if you know fishermen, like you just never tell them how to fish. But Jesus does that very thing here. He says to them, uh, he said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul the net in because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it is the Lord. As soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it is the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off. He's fishing all day. So now he puts it on and he jumped into the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing in the full net of fish, for they were not far from the shore, about 100 yards. Uh, so Simon Peter, again, he's just passionate. But this time he just wants to get to the Lord. It says, when they landed, they saw a fire of burning coals. Uh, there with some fish on it and some bread. And Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish you have just caught. Uh, so Simon Peter brings in the fish. And then Jesus asks Simon Peter this question, do you love me? And Simon Peter just breaks down, right? Uh, and you have this real moment of this really beautiful conversation unfolding between uh, Simon Peter and Jesus. And it's unpacking a whole lot of a whole lot of history there that's gone on and and Jesus is setting Peter on mission uh, after this so it's a beautiful conversation I'm actually going to be preaching on uh, John 21 on Father's Day coming up on this very passage and I'm really excited about it um, there's a lot in there and it's just a beautiful passage to unpack and Simon Peter he's he's a complex character but he's he's so relatable and in so many ways we can see ourselves 
in him. So enjoy today's listen. Uh, I hope you find it encouraging and please leave a comment, leave a feedback. And if you would like to be on this podcast and share your story, please get in touch with me. You can just email the church office and uh, I'd love you to come in and share your story. But in the meantime, enjoy, listen and God bless. All right, today I'm here with uh, Gary Sperling, and Gary Sperling is part of the kids' ministry. He's married with a couple of kids, uh, and he's involved in various aspects of church life. But he's coming today, and we're going to talk a little bit about your life, where you came from. So welcome, Gary. It's great to have you today. Thank you for having me. So let's start. Uh, We'll go right back to the beginning. We're going to talk about little Gary and what life was like for, for you growing up, being a little boy. Where were you? What did childhood look like? Sure. It's funny that you called me Little Gary. Um, uh, my whole family calls me Little Gary. Um, Mary, my wife, doesn't like me being called Little Gary. <laughs> but, <laughs> I can imagine. Because uh, she thinks she likes to see me as adult Gary. Um, <laughs> not Little Gary. But um, the reason I got called Little Gary is because my dad's name was Gary. Um, his name was spelled different. He had one R. I've got two. Two. Um, so you were Gary Jr., which became Little Gary. Yeah. Um, and... Um, so it was, it was, yeah, it's quite comical though. And unfortunately, if well, not unfortunately, but if you've seen me, you know that I'm not little. Um, so it's kind of a bit of an oxymoron um, type sort of a... Okay, little John, Robin Hood, exactly. little Gary, yeah. that kind yeah. of thing. Um, but nonetheless, that, that, that aside, I was um, born in Wyala, South Australia, still town. Um, my dad was a boiler maker and okay. um, I've... Um, so I was born in 72, going back a little while now. Um, and I've that's got... That's 1972. 1972. Just for our listeners, <laughs> just to make sure we got that right. Yeah, that's right. Seems like uh, another century ago. Um, I've got two older brothers and an older sister, and so I'm the youngest of four. Okay, okay. Hence another reason why you were called Little Gary. Yeah, I was the little... Okay, so was what was like yeah. little town, growing yeah. up, mom and dad... Uh, some highlights from childhood sure. and then maybe some big events that happened then? Yeah, so obviously um, Wales is a still town, so BHP, as it was back then, was the main thriving, uh, the still works. Um, Dad was um, had tried his hand at his own business and doing uh, working, you know, in still fabrication and so forth. Um, everything was pretty normal as a, as a kid growing up. Um, Wales was a great place to grow up in a lot of respects because um, it was a pretty safe place and pretty, um, you know, you could you could sleep at night without the doors locked, you could, you know, that time. We're talking the 70s now, late 80s. Awesome. Um, we'd play street chasey with all the local kids um, until it got dark and nobody really worried where you were. Um, but in, uh, I guess in around um, uh, late 70s, um, things began to change. Um, my grandfather actually died and uh, had a bit of an adverse effect on my mum because it was my mum's dad um, that was in 76 and um, ever since then she never kind of affected in a really really big way um, uh, mentally and and mental health started really impacting her ended up resulting in her going to Hillcrest a couple of times okay um, being admitted into an institution um, and copying some you know, some treatment and it really sort of affected the whole family makeup and and everything else, um, so much so that in um, 81, on my ninth birthday, mum and dad actually split up. My mum my actually kicked my dad out of the house. Okay. Wow, so that's, you're nine years old, 
on my birthday on your birthday yeah dad leaves the family dad leaves uh, my oldest my two oldest brothers had actually already i think pretty much moved out of home already okay and it was just me and my sister that had been uh, still living together um I, when um when that happened um it wasn't probably that long uh, and i remember i was i was just going to school i went to um Nicholson Avenue Primary in Wyala and um, was just coming home from school. So this is in the early 80s and um, walked down my street uh, as I did every day and there's all these police cars, um, paddy wagons and whatnot in my street. And I'm thinking, wow, this is exciting for Wyala. Um, and I remember as I got home, or as I got closer to home, I realized these are actually at my house and coming inside and, and um, the house is full of police officers and they're actually waiting for my mother to finish hanging out of washing because they were about to take her away and meet her back in like back to the police station wow. to then transfer her to an ambulance to because um, they didn't pick you up in ambulances then you got arrested okay and so you're taken in the back of a paddy wagon back to the hospital and then uh, um, and then shipped or basically driven to Adelaide to, to for another stint in, in Hillcrest um, um, I ended up staying um, with my, my my dad during that time yeah um but as a result of that period um, my mum actually met a fella um in uh hillcrest okay and which is probably not the best place to pick up no in the future no. um and that's quite traumatic <laughs> in itself for you that yeah. you're going through this and then suddenly there's another male figure yeah. in your life yeah well when when mum come out of hillcrest that time um with this gentleman uh she came back and broke the news to me, we're moving to Adelaide. And so I was uh, still nine at this age, at this stage. Mm. And it was probably the beginning of 82 that this news broke. And um, for me, it was it was weird. It was, I was living with my sister in the family home. Um, Dad had moved out, he'd gone to live with his parents, but uh, I think he actually got a flat um, at that time. And um, all I could think of was I was, I was coming to Adelaide and yeah, you know yeah. um so it was a good thing or bad thing and look it was an awesome thing uh, for me personally because all i thought of was better television reception and better tv channels more channels than just the old abc and gds bkn uh, we actually had channel 1079 and abc it was okay. just like, it was like we're moving to disneyland oh, this is yeah and 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 we also had downtown in adelaide which you know um, you perhaps don't appreciate but it was as an amusement park right in highly street and um and in the 80s it was the thing and so to me it was like I'm going to live near downtown. This is yeah. awesome. So it really wasn't a big deal for me um, to move to Adelaide, although um, because the family probably had already broken up, um, I wasn't living with my brothers and sisters anymore. It was just like, hey, you know. Yeah. So we moved to Adelaide and lived with my nana uh, in Ferriton Park there for uh, a little time. Um, and 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 we, my, my, all my other family stayed in Wyala and we just kept in touch. And every school holidays, I'd catch up with dad and whatnot and, and, and so forth. Um, but not long after we moved to Adelaide, um, there'd been a, uh, a fledgling church had just started okay. in, in the Woodville area. In fact, at Kilkenny, um, next to the Arndale Shopping Centre. And I remember this one particular day. Um, so we moved to Adelaide in Easter of 82. And it was probably a little bit after that. Um, just I was with my nan and my mum. I remember um, I was ten at this stage, going to Arndale. Um, remember this person standing on the on the corner, handing out pamphlets, inviting people to come and watch a movie. Um, it was on that night, but I couldn't go because I was actually going to stay with my mum's sister, my auntie, because we were driving back to Wales the next day to see my dad. And so um, 
unbeknownst to me, my mum and my nana actually went to watch that movie that um, to the to the what, church that what, night. What was the movie? Cross and the Switchblade. Okay, the old classic. Favorite. The classic. classic. Yes, yeah. um, I've seen it countless times. I could almost re- re- go through the script with you, but I won't. I'll spare you. Um, I actually love that movie. It's a really good movie. But she got saved. She actually um, wow. gave her heart to God. Um, interesting thing is with with a lot of mum's mental health issues. It was very spiritual related in the sense of that whenever she got really God-centered, it would be a sign and a flag to the family that she... Was maybe entering a maybe, spell. Maybe, like yeah, that. okay, she's not, you know, the imbalances, you know, we've got to do something. And so when she actually went to church and got saved, um, I think there was a bit of a scare in the family that, oh, it started again. And so as a, as a result of her becoming a Christian or giving her life to God, she actually ended up back in Hillcrest. Okay. Um, for another few it's weeks. almost like the price to pay yeah the price of her salvation was uh, readmission to Hillcrest and she, all she did was accepted accepted God um, in her life um, I obviously didn't know this at the time because I was in Wales at the time um, <laughs> mum actually wrote to me trying to put the family off in the sense of not let them know that she was in Hillcrest but of course they knew um, and she wrote me a letter on a Hillcrest letterhead with a Hillcrest envelope and uh, telling me that she was staying with an auntie and Claire and <laughs> and I just brought it up but obviously within a couple of weeks I, the truth come out and I come back to Adelaide with my oldest brother and and um, you know and I've got to say that my family was an incredibly loving family um, yes we'd been blown apart because of mental health uh, and separated and living in all different parts but you know my brothers and sisters would do anything for me mm. um and and I, I certainly appreciate and absolutely love them for that and and it was a loving family it wasn't yeah. like it was a it was a you know uh, mum and dad obviously had the differences and issues and you know but they did what they could they did their best to what they they knew but my brother brought me back and um um remember seeing mum in in, in hillcrest which is quite um, an interesting experience yeah. um for a 10 year old yeah um but she eventually got out of that and um and i remember when she got out she actually rang the pastor of the church that she got saved in um and said do you accept nutters in your church and uh, and he was it's a fledgling genesis <laughs> yeah. church absolutely we accept everybody which they did and um and so then she pretty much after organizing that he was going to pick her up the next day um then put her attentions on me and saying okay um, you come to church with me tomorrow hang on and I'm like, I'm a 10-year-old Aussie kid that plays footy. Um, you know, I'm not going to church. I ain't going to church. Um, I go to football clubs. I don't, you know, um, I didn't come to Adelaide to go to church. I come to Adelaide for downtown and football, you know, and, and those types of things. And um, we end up playing like um, cat and mouse around the house, chasing me. You come to church tomorrow. I'm not coming to church. You know, to the end, she threatened me. If you don't come to church, I'm going to send you to a Catholic school. Oh, the, ulti- the ultimate draw card. Okay. <laughs> um, I was going to uh, Ferdinand Park Primary at that time, and it was like, yeah, I'm not going to a Catholic school. So I said, all right, I'll go with you. So this must have been early October, late September, uh, and I went along, and um, it was just a little church. It was an old bank vault, old bank building in Woodville Road. Okay. And uh, um, I met, uh, met a, uh, a young lad. He was my age. He was the pastor's son. And uh, we formed a friendship, and within a couple of weeks, in fact, I remember specifically, it was October 16, 1982, um, after the church, I was in his dad's office with him and his mother, um, and they were basically just telling me about God and 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 effectively introduced me to Jesus, led me wow. through, wow, let me let me through a prayer, prayed for me, filled me, with, you know, prayed for me with the Holy Spirit, 
and um, yeah, I've been a Christian now for 38 years. That's incredible. You know, okay, so that's the beginning. You're 10 years old. You meet Jesus. You've been through quite a lot as a 10-year-old. You've moved. Family's broken up. I think what often happens when we talk about people's testimonies is it's like the moment building up to, you know, when you become a believer, when you meet Jesus, and then it's kind of like job done. But mm. that's really, it's only the start. It's, it's the, the beginning, beginning of the yeah. journey. Yeah. Uh, and so let's talk a little bit about you know, you're now a believer, maybe from that time, some highs and lows, yeah. uh, some mountaintops, maybe some valleys yeah. that you've been through as a believer and some lessons you've learned along the way. Yeah, sure. Um, obviously, you know, getting saved at an age of 10, um, I wouldn't say, I walked. you know, I automatically got a download of complete theology of Christianity 101. Um but I, there was something that actually changed. Um, I, I, I'm not going to sit here and tell you that I had this incredible moment, uh, as people, some people do, and praise God for that. But that certainly wasn't. It was just. It was a time in my life. It was a memorable time in my life because I, rem, I clearly do remember it specifically. Mm. Um, but it set me on a it set me on a trajectory. It changed my life that day um, because um, it set me in a place where you know I didn't have automatic access to my father all the time because he was in Wales still. I'd see him every school holidays, but there's a big gaps in between that. And, you know, my dad loved me and he did everything he could um, to give me everything, you know, and, and, and give me the best. But that was obviously restricted um, with distance and, and absence. So what I found myself was in, in a place where I've got a church full of fathers, basically. Okay. Awesome. And that protected Isn't that me. amazing how, you know... You've kind of you don't have the relationship with your dad yeah. that, that every son craves, and you kind of lost that. But yet the Lord puts you in a church where you got fifty dads. Yeah, you know, and and and, and when I say dad, they they never take place of dad. There'll only be one person I can call dad. Yeah. Um, but they they take the place of role model, influencer, mm. you know, uh, guider, you know, counsel, um, strength, support, take you away. Mm. you know look after you protect you um it didn't substitute that it just kind of filled in the what was missing yeah um i uh, i grew up in that church and i stayed in that church for probably 10 years um it helped me god really helped me as a as a young person i think this is why i'm also involved in kids uh, in the kids ministry today because i really see i went to sunday school in in there and, and, I, and I still remember in fact i still know the lady um kathy um Kathy Dixon, who's my Sunday school teacher, and yeah. we used to call her Sergeant Dixon because she was pretty tough. <laughs> um, and you know, I don't remember a lot of the. You know, I remember the the room being there, um, different stories, um, but I remember the impact that it had on me, and realizing that you know, investing in kids is so critical yeah, and important the next because it is, and and it's. And, you know, and if we can not just teach them stories, but teach them about God and actually connect him, mm. because what they did to me is they helped me connect with God. I was never a perfect Christian. I'll never be a perfect Christian. Mm. I'm, I've got my struggles and failings like the rest of us. But it did help me um, know who God was and what I wanted to be and that, that God had died you know, that he'd sent his son, Jesus, to die for me. And that meant something. Mm. And, and, and I owed him my life as a result and I didn't really understand what it all meant yeah um, 
And but so, it began to work itself out. It certainly as did. You, as you began to it walk it. It certainly did. He helped me through school, helped me resist peer pressure, helped me be my own individual. So you and I were talking a little bit before we started recording, and we actually spoke about some of the gifts God gives you, and, and through His Spirit, He, he gives you the spirit of self-control. Uh, and you said, like, one of the things, and, and teenagers face massive peer pressure, yeah. right, to, yeah. to, do, to do things that we shouldn't do. And sure. we do them often not because we really want to. It's because we just feel this peer pressure. And you peer pressure, said yeah. you kind of felt like God was with you, Jesus was with you, and he kind of gave you this self-control to be able to resist certain things. Absolutely. you want to elaborate on that? Yeah, yeah. Um, look, you know, growing up in school, uh, I went to Fern Park Primary and the Parks High School, which is actually, funnily enough, and I don't know if there's anything in this, but neither of those schools exist anymore. They've torn them down. You so. had nothing to do with that, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure. But they, um, you know, the, the level of drug use when I went through high school was, was amazing. It was every day. It was common. It was almost like kids bringing their lunch to school um someone will always be smoking dope somewhere um it was it was more common than than it was so common i should say that one day a kid brought alcohol to school and i was absolutely mortified i just was shocked at that because that never happened but dope was just everywhere and it was only ever dope it was never hard drugs or anything like that it was just it was just dope but what i found is that i just had this incredibly inner strength that i can only put down to being god that i was never tempted to ever take it in fact people don't believe me today when i say i've mm. never i've never smoked over my life mm. um in fact i had teachers sometimes because i was actually a pretty happy kid mm. uh um where they would literally be accusing me in class that you're on dope and i'm like no i'm not you know because i just i didn't need to yeah and I, and I think also part of that was growing up in a church i talked to, you know we talk about the fathers and the influences i grew up with people that had been radically saved saved out of you know um gang you know skinheads and mods mm. um prostitutes um druggies drug dealers um that had been completely revolutionized and transformed by the power of god that growing up and listening to them and 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 their influence on my life i didn't need to go and do what they did no i didn't need to go and find out what does it do to me what is it like um it was that was like yeah no i don't need that don't want it and i'm not interested and, and managed to get through all of all of um, my life, even to this day, of you know, um, I don't drink, I don't smoke, and don't mm. smoke dope, you know, in, in, in that sense. And so, it, it's just that strength that uh, I guess God has given me. Uh, I can only put it down because I, it's there's things in my life that I've not been having self control over, um, and you know, and it comes down to the the will of man, mm. really. But you know, for that age and that time, probably in that time of ignorance, God really just sort of wrapped His arms around me and protected me. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I I find just that often in our story, uh, we can relate to some of the biblical characters. Either mm. it's their character generally, uh, or it's a significant moment in their life. Uh, where we look at and go, oh my goodness, that's me. I can totally see myself in them. Um, is there a biblical character that you find that you relate to? Uh, and who would that be? Sure. Um, I think the one that probably um, links to my heart to the most is uh, probably Peter, Simon Peter, the apostle. Um, and the reason for that is it's his humanity, it's his foot and mouth. Uh, Mary, my wife, will often tell me that I speak too much and say too much and I'm quick to talk and, you know, slow to think and, you know, I'd probably be up there cutting people's ears off too if I had the opportunity. <laughs> just, just, um, 
but I remember when the movie The Passion of the Christ came yeah. out and the portrayal of uh, of Peter in that movie. But you know, I mean, that movie graphically represented what happened or portrayed what happened to Jesus um, through the his scourging and and the crucifixion. And 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 as shocking as and as hard to watch as that was, it didn't affect me as much, um, which surprised me actually as much as when Peter denied Jesus. And it wasn't the denial; it was the realization of what he'd done. Yeah. And it really just gelled with my heart of how human human he is, mm. and how human I am, and how much, even with the best intentions, um, we'll we will fail God, and that God doesn't wipe us out because of it. Yeah. That His love is sufficient, and that His grace is sufficient. But we are, you know, the best we can be. Is but filthy rags. Yeah, you know we don't stand that, and and which is why Jesus had to die, uh, had to um, suffer what he suffered, so that we could be reconciled and made right with God. And and in Peter's failing, you know, I am my failing is expected, and it's not that I look for it or I try to fail, mm. but when I do, I don't have to beat myself up over it. I, but I, but I also learn, and I only learned this recently in watching Peter's life when we went through the Book of John. We've been going through the book of John and church. And and I realized that um, it occurred to me that when Jesus um, rose from the dead and he come back and he and he had um, these encounters with the disciples that John talks us about, his first encounter that, that he met with the disciples, but Thomas wasn't there. And, and, it, and it goes to the point to mention that he wasn't there. And so that's, Thomas sort of said, well, I don't believe it because I wasn't there, you know, and he sort of got that adage of doubting Thomas. And, but it doesn't really say that Peter wasn't there. So I can only assume he was and all the other disciples were there. And then the second time Jesus meets with the disciples, Thomas is there and it really accounts Thomas's interaction with Jesus and touching the wounds and, and just, you know, oh, okay, now I believe. You can only assume again Peter was there, but there's no real account. But on the third occasion when Jesus appeared to the disciples, Peter was actually out in the boat fishing. He was um, hard at work. He'd actually derobed because he was working. But on this occasion, Jesus just appeared on the shore and Peter saw him. And I love Peter's heart because he realized that I've had two opportunities and I never took it. But this third time, I'm not going to pass up on it. Yeah. And he saw Jesus from afar and it says he put his robe on and he jumped out of the boat and ran to the shore. Mm. Um, probably walked on water again, maybe. But he hightailed it to the shore and fell in Jesus' arms. Yeah. And I'm sure that reconciliation of that, I'm sorry. Mm. Um, and, it's, and, and that speaks to me as well in that don't tally on running back to Jesus when you do fall. Mm. You know, that when you do, he's there. You, you don't have to wait till you meet to come to church three times before, yeah. you, you know, you can just, and, and I've learned over life that, you know, when you do fall, because we are going to, when we fail, we just get up and run to him. And, yeah. It's, yeah. and, and I love that. That's really beautiful. And I, like, I totally see that in myself as well, right? Like when you, when we sin and we mess up, there's this, there's the sense that I can't run straight to Jesus. I kind of need to do something to earn my righteousness before I can kind of mm. go back to him. Yeah. And that's that's just not true. And, you know, mm. often we, we speak to others and we assure them that God's grace is big enough, <laughs> that Jesus' death was sufficient. And we believe that. But when it comes to ourselves, there can be this thing where, yeah. you know, yeah. we're ashamed yeah. and we don't run to him because we don't we don't feel like we deserve it and it's true we don't yeah. but god is there and jesus is there offering it to us 
with open arms yeah. and like the, that beautiful story you talk about jesus doesn't only just welcome peter and put his arms around him he then says to him you know what on this rock i'm going to build my church i'm going to mm. use you peter yeah. in your failings you know and i think something in peter had a break it was that yeah. pride and he yeah. just realized you know i'm not i'm not tough on my own uh and then jesus is right now now i'm going to build my church yeah. on this rock which is you um yeah so i think just a great encouragement for people when we do fall there is something called godly sorrow yeah and and godly sorrow doesn't lead us to run away from god it actually causes us to run to him, to him yeah and know that like you said his arms are actually wide open yeah, uh, for us gary thank you so much for coming in today and giving up your time to be with us and i've been really encouraged by your story and i've learned a lot along the way and it's been great spending time with you so thank you very much thank you appreciate it Thanks for listening to the City Reach Oakden podcast. To stay connected, check out our website, find us on Instagram and Facebook, or follow our YouTube channel for more teachings and sermons. We would love to hear from you, so please send any questions you have to grahams at cityreach.com.au and make sure you rate, subscribe, and leave a review. God bless and join us next time.